0: book of John, one of the major prophets Jeremiah and tonight we're looking at a message entitled decision time time to make a choice time to make a decision what are you going to do Jeremiah 15 we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 21 but for our scripture reading we'll look at the first four verses the prophet is speaking. Better said, the prophet is praying to God. And he says, O Lord, in verse 13, 15, Thou knowest, remember me, visit me, revenge me of my persecutors. Take me not away in Thy long suffering. Know that for Thy sake I have suffered rebuke. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word unto me, the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by the name, O Lord God of hosts. I sat not in the assembly of the mockers. I did not rejoice with them. I sat alone because of thy hand, for thou hast filled me with indignation. Lord, I have done all of this for you, says the prophet. Verse 18, why is my pain then perpetual? Why is my wounds incurable? Why do you refuse to bring healing to me? Will thou be altogether unto me as a liar, as waters that have stopped flowing? One of the things I like about the Bible is God puts on display the flaws and faults of His people. He also puts on display His glory in and through them. You know, sometimes we look at the great men and women of faith as if somehow they're above us. We put them on pedestals and we say, well, they're like Superman or Batman or Green Lantern or Flash or Aquaman. We can never be like them. But the truth of the matter is, they were plain, ordinary men and women just like us. They put their pants on one leg at a time just like us. They had warts, they had moles, they had flaws, they had faults, they had imperfections, they had immaturities. And yet God called them and God used them. Jeremiah was one of them. One of the greatest prophets of all time. As we go into Jeremiah 15, he wants to leave the ministry. He wants to run from God. He wants to go into another line of work. Maybe he wants to drive a truck for UPS. Maybe he wants to be a cashier at Walmart. Maybe he has aspirations of being a field goal kicker for the Carolina Panthers. Jeremiah does not want to be a prophet anymore. Understand he did not choose to be a prophet. He didn't sign up to be a prophet. He was drafted to be a prophet. It wasn't his choice, it was God's choice. And Jeremiah wants to decline the call. He wants to resign. You say, why, Pastor? Well, I could give you 400 reasons why. Number one would be, Jeremiah never saw himself as a superman. You've heard me say before, he was more comfortable being Clark Kent. Jeremiah was a very shy man. He was a very sweet man. He was a very sensitive man. That's how God made him. That was his makeup. You might say he had a woman's emotions in a man's body. For him to be a prophet to bring words of warning and judgment to his nation and to the church of his day and to people of his day. For him to do that caused him a great deal of stress. It caused him a great deal of anxiety. I'm sure he had stomach problems, bowel problems, blood pressure problems. That was not who he was. He was a non-confrontational, very passive, very weak, and very meek man. And I don't say that negatively. That's just who he was. And so he got... His ministry troubled him. Secondly, he wanted to leave the ministry because he didn't like the message that he was being asked to preach. He was a one-hit wonder. He had a one-message song. And it just kept playing over and over and over. God just kept Hitting the repeat button. It was a message of repent or perish. That was his message to his nation. Repent or perish. That was the message to the church of his day. Repent or perish. That was the message to his own people, the Hebrew people. Repent or perish. All the other preachers were preaching about health and wealth. All the other preachers were preaching about fame and fortune. And God says to Jeremiah, tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. You tell them, Jeremiah, that Babylon is coming. And the Babylonians don't take prisoners. They don't show mercy. They don't give quarter. When they come into this nation, they're going to conquer this nation. They're going to crush the church. They're going to take your people captive and there's going to be massive casualties. You tell them that, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah did not feel comfortable with that message. Though he delivered it faithfully, he never felt comfortable with it. Another reason why he wanted to resign from being a prophet was his makeup. That wasn't who he was. The message he didn't like. He also didn't like the mistreatment he received. Jeremiah was one of the most persecuted, abused, rejected prophets there has ever been. He was called a man of sorrows because of what he received from his nation and from the church and from the people from bringing a message they didn't want to hear. If you read the book of Jeremiah as we go through it, I'll point it out at times. He was beaten as very few men have been beaten. His body was continually battered and bruised and bloodied. He was put in prison time after time after time. In fact, his mail address was the prison. He was tortured, he was cursed. He was isolated, many times alone. He was tired, he was hungry, he was wet, he was cold. And these things took its toll on a man that was not a rugged he-man. He was more of an indoorsman, he wasn't an outdoorsman. It would take its toll on anybody what he received, but particularly it took a toll on him. And he wondered, how much longer can I stand this? He wanted to quit because he didn't have a family. God told Jeremiah, don't you get a wife. Don't you have children. Don't you start a family. Don't you have a home. Because when the Babylonians come... They're going to take the women captive and do things to them you never want to see done to your wife. And when they come, they're going to take the children and they're going to slaughter the children and you don't want your children to be slaughtered. So Jeremiah, God said, don't marry. So he did not marry. He had no children. He had very little family, even fewer friends. Jeremiah walked alone. He stood alone. He cried alone. You know, life is tough enough when you got somebody. But when you stand like a giant oak tree in the pasture all by yourself, life is difficult. Jeremiah wanted to quit the ministry because he was frustrated with God. He really felt like God let him down. You ever felt that way? You, maybe you felt that way, but you never verbalized it. Jeremiah verbalized it. He had conversations with God where he said, God, I believe that you have misinformed me. I believe you have wrongly led me. God, you told me one thing, but I don't believe you've done it. I don't believe you kept your word. God, I don't know if I can trust you. God, you've let me down. Jeremiah was a why man. Why me? Why now? Why this, Lord? Give me some answers I don't understand. For all of these reasons plus 395 more that I will give you tonight if that's okay. Jeremiah wanted to quit. He wanted to throw in the proverbial towel. He wanted to turn and to walk away. He wanted to leave the ministry and maybe even wanted to leave the faith. And Jeremiah 15 He is now standing at the crossroads. He now must make a choice what He's going to do. Notice in verse 18, He says, Lord, I don't know what to do. All I know is that I'm in perpetual pain, He says in verse 18. My wounds are incurable. There's nothing that suggests to me things are going to get any better. In fact, I believe they're going to get worse. And Lord, You haven't done anything to bring healing to me. Lord, have I heard you correctly or did you mislead me, Lord? Lord, I thought the rivers were going to flow through me and you've stopped them up. Lord, I don't understand. I don't know if I want to understand anymore. He wants to quit. To go on or to turn back? To stay the course or change direction. To carry on with God or to go his own way. That's what he's thinking about right now. The thing I love about Jeremiah was he was brutally honest with God. We, you see, we think things like that. We feel things like that. We might whisper to our very secret friends those kind of things, but we won't go to God. But God already knows anyway. Jeremiah took it straight to the throne. He said, Lord, I don't know if I want to continue doing this. I might want to quit, Lord. I might want to go back to doing what I was doing before you called me to be this prophet. Now before we go on with what Jeremiah decided, may I say to you, There will come times in our lives when we will stand at the crossroads. There'll be times in our life when we're going to be contemplating having to make choices about our relationship with the Lord Jesus. I can think of at least three times in our lives that we're going to do that. It might be more, but it won't be less. The first time will be when we're a young adult. We've been in the youth group all of our life. Mom and dad have brought us to church. We've been sheltered, we've been protected, we've been guarded. There's been a curfew on us. There's been parameters on what we can do and where we can go and who we can be with. But all of a sudden now we're 18 years old. We're going off to college or we're getting our own apartment. We're getting out from mom and dad. We're getting away from Sam. We're getting away from this church environment. And we've got a choice to make, young people. Are we going to stay walking with Jesus? Or are we going to throw Jesus to the wayside because we want to drink some alcohol and we want to shoot up some drugs and we want to have some sex and we want to go to some wild parties. We want to live it up. I quit this Christianity business and walk away. Young people, you're going to make that choice. Now I'm sad to tell you, young people, as I look at you, most of your peers don't make the right one. We pray for you that you will. And then there'll be a second time when you're going to stand at a crossroad. The first will be as a young adult. And then the second will be as a middle-aged adult. Life is busy when you're raising a family. There's always someone to see, somewhere to go, something to do. There's not enough time in the days of the week. There's not enough weeks in the months. There's not enough months in the year to ever do what you want to do. And coming to church on Sunday, well, it just complicates it all, doesn't it? It takes up my whole day. I don't have a chance to go watch a sporting event. I don't have a chance to go make some money. I don't have a chance to go fishing or hunting. I don't have a chance to do anything because of this Jesus and church stuff. I need some time to myself. So you stand at the crossroad as a middle-aged adult. Do I want this or do I want that? The siren call of the world says, look after yourself. Come on. Grab for all the gusto you can. You're only going to be here one time. And so middle-aged adults stand at that crossroads. And many of them, sadly, make the wrong choice too. Wine, women, and song over Jesus. And then when you get to be a senior adult, you stand at a crossroad. Yes, senior adults often stand at crossroads. They have a choice to make. I'm now a senior adult. I'm retired. Go, go, go. Don't got time for church anymore. Go, go, go. Or if you're on the other end of the spectrum as a senior adult, maybe your health and finances aren't what it is should be. So your words are stay, stay, stay. So senior adults, sometimes you'll notice that they've been faithful all their lives and then all of a sudden when they get to be senior adults, either go, go, go or stay, stay, stay. It's no, no, no when it comes to Jesus. So I know those are three crossroads that you're going to face. Some of you have already faced them. Some of you have them lying ahead. And ministers, by the way, often stand at crossroads too. I told you this morning a staggering statistic. I wish I could tell you it was hyped or exaggerated or sensationalized. It's probably understated. 50% of every man who enters the ministry will be out of the ministry in five years. It's the highest occupational hazard of any profession in America. And there's many more ministers who would quit if they could, but they can't. And many of them stand at a crossroads... They're tired of the criticism, they're tired of the long hours, they're tired of church people fighting them for an extra nickel in their salary package. They're tired of difficult people who know nothing but criticize them and complain and whine all the time. They're tired of the stress that affects their family and their fitness and their finances. And these faithful men of God just stand there and, and many of them just say, I'm tired of it. Jeremiah's tired of it. What's he going to do? He has a choice to make, doesn't he? It's interesting, Joshua called on the people of his day to make a choice when it came to following the Lord. Choose this day who you will serve. Will you serve yourself? Will you serve the gods of this world? Or will you serve the Lord God of the Bible? Take your choice. And then, of course, his famous words, as for me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. And here's Jeremiah. And God says to Jeremiah in the verses that we haven't read yet, but we are, verses 19 through 21, God speaks to Jeremiah. God's a little frustrated with the prophet. We get frustrated with God. God gets frustrated with us. God says, Jeremiah, it's time to quit going back and forth on this thing. Either you're my prophet or you're not my prophet. Jeremiah, it's time to quit fooling around. Man up and take the message I gave you or be quiet and leave. Jeremiah, quit making this so difficult. You'll never be any good as long as you are fluctuating between two masters. Choose me or choose something else, but make a choice. Notice what God says to Jeremiah in verses 19 through 21. Therefore, thus saith the Lord. Jeremiah has prayed, God is answering the prayer. If thou return, if you stay with me, then I will bring you again, and thou shalt stand before me. And if you take forth the precious from the vile, thou shalt be as my mouth. Let them return unto you, but you don't return back to them. I will make you unto this people a fenced brazen wall, and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, saith the Lord. And I will deliver you out of thy hand of the wicked. And I will redeem you out of the hand of the terrible. God doesn't understand me. (laughs) He does understand you. God knew exactly where Jeremiah was at. He knew exactly what Jeremiah was going through. He knew Jeremiah's frustrations, his aggravations, his hurts, his pains. God knew all of that. God let Jeremiah vent. And then God speaks into the mind and heart of the prophet. He says, Jeremiah, repent of the way you've been thinking. Whenever you come back to God or you're going to continue your walk with God at a crossroads... The word repent will always come up. Repent for Jeremiah means to rethink all of these doubts. To rethink this idea that he's going to quit. To think, rethink this idea that he's going to leave the ministry. Jeremiah, repent of that nonsense. Repent of it. It's of the flesh, it's of the world, it's of the devil, but it's not of me. Repent. And then he says to the prophet, return. Go back and do what I called you to do. Don't worry about what the other preachers are preaching. Don't worry about the response to your message. Just do what I ask you to do. Just do it. And then God says to Jeremiah, if you will repent, if you will return, I promise you a reward. God does reward His servants. He says to Jeremiah, I'm going to do three things for you if you choose to stay the course with me and carry out the ministry that I've given you. He says, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to make you famous. You won't be famous now. But years after you've come and gone, the ministry that I gave you will be talked about by others and preached by others. You will become a hero, though you're being treated like a zero right now. Okay? That's what he says to it. Sometimes we minister, and we wonder if our ministry is accomplishing anything. You preach and you preach and you preach and nobody ever moves. Well, God says it isn't over till it's over. And that's what He says to Jeremiah. Don't worry about this nation. There'll be other nations you'll touch later. Don't worry about this church. There'll be other churches you'll touch later. Don't worry about the people. There'll be other people you will touch later. Just stay the course. Just stay the course. Then he second, third, secondly tells him, You're not going to die. <laughs> I'm going to make you like a wall. They'll throw their marbles and rocks at you, but they'll bounce off, Jeremiah. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. Then he tells him, You're going to have victory. Victory. There will be a victory. It may not be exactly what you think victory is, but I tell you, you're going to be victorious. What does Jeremiah do? (laughs) Well, he says, yes, Lord. At the crossroads, I have decided to follow Jesus. I can't turn back. How can I turn back on Him? And he moves forward. In the rest of the book, we see Jeremiah goes from a boy to a man. The prophet that was so boyish becomes a mannish prophet. He becomes a soldier. He understands that honor and duty come ahead of self. He becomes a prayer warrior. He understands that God is good, and God is able, and God is enough. And he becomes a statesman. He realizes that his message no longer is for those that are in front of him. His message is for generations that will come later. No wonder Jeremiah is in God's Hall of Fame. Tonight as we close, maybe you're at a crossroads. Maybe tonight God is speaking to you. You're either with me or you're not with me. You're in or you're out. Make the choice. No man can serve two masters. You'll love one, you'll hate the other, you'll follow one, you'll forsake the other. You can't walk the line. Make your choice. Make your choice. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.